Welcome back to your haunted holiday. This is Lisa. And this is Lindsay. And today, everybody, we are going to talk about a place that we just went to last weekend. Yeah, that's right. We had a fun time with some friends uh, at this cool place just across the river from where we are currently at in Omaha. And I got to say, I was a little freaked out by the idea of this because this is our first time investigating like a jail. Yeah, I would agree. We typically go to hotels or like old museums, like mansion museums, like the Sorrel Weed House stuff or haunted restaurants. Uh, But we have never actually been to a jail where possibly a lot of violent offenders have have been to. So this was new for us. This was. You guys are going to hear all about our experience. This is your haunted holiday at the Squirrel Cage Jail in Council Bluffs, Iowa. Before we get started, Lisa, I have something brand new to announce to our listeners. It's actually pretty exciting. I'm very excited about it, too. So Lisa and I have been trying to go to St. Augustine, Florida for years now. We have wanted to go because we know it's notoriously haunted. It's the oldest city in the United States, I think. Is that yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's obviously got a lot of haunted places. We've had listeners reach out to us about their visiting, like the times that they've visited some of these different haunted locations in St. Augustine, Florida. And we are finally going. We are actually going to be in St. Augustine and we just booked a tour of the St. Augustine Lighthouse. I am so excited about this, Lindsay. This is one of those places that is total bucket list worthy. I've been dying to go ever since I watched that episode of Ghost Hunters where that ghost was on camera looking down that huge stairway. Oh my goodness. I know, right? And they could hear it following them. So we have an opportunity to ghost hunt for not a lot of time, but like two hours. I want to open up this opportunity for people uh, because we actually do have some open spots within the tour that we booked. And I wanted to open it up first. I opened it up to our Patreon community and any extra availability was going to go out to our listeners. Now, this is not something I can guarantee. There's there's very limited capacity in this tour. So I'm putting this out there to all of our listeners that might be near St. Augustine. Maybe you live near there. Or maybe you're going to be in the area around the time of September 16th. So just a little over a month from now, about a month and a half from now, if you're in the area or you live there or you think you're going to be around around that time and you want to go on a ghost hunt with us, go to yourhauntedholiday.com, hit contact us, send us an email with, with your information and let us know that you're interested in this opportunity. Okay, we're going to take all the emails that we do receive and, you know, if anyone's interested, we'll we'll basically say yes, you are able to go or not um, based on how much capacity we have. I don't know how many people we're actually going to get that live in that area that listen to the show. I don't 
know either. But the other thing I'd like to just point out is this is not something we're making money from or anything like that. We just happened to book the tour and we have a bunch of extra slots available for the private tour. I think it it allows up to 15 people. Right now, there's only three of us planned on going. And we thought, you know what? It would be really cool to meet some listeners. And if they want to come join us for the private tour for a couple hours, that would just be a great experience. Absolutely. If you get one of the spots and you want to go, let us know, you know, and in this tour, if you get one of the spots would be free to you because, hey, we want to kind of give back to our listeners. We love you guys. You make us doing this show worth it every week. So so if you're in the area, just let us know. Who knows, Lisa? It might still be us three, but we might have a few folks that are interested that are going to be out in that area. Yes, I am just, oh my gosh, I'm just so excited about that. But let's get into this most recent place that we visited, not as notoriously haunted as the St. Augustine Lighthouse, but very haunted. It's got an interesting history. The place, honestly, is just really fascinating. It's actually today more so like a museum that also happens to offer paranormal tours because people have experienced some stuff over the years that we are going to talk about. Now, the Squirrel Cage Jail was built in 1885, and the design of this structure is so unique, and it was really thought as kind of a unique way to save money within a jail because you could only have one jailer. And how could you get away with having this jail with only one person necessarily running it? What they did with this design is it was essentially like a huge cylinder that would house different cells almost like in a pie form. So each cell is like a triangle of the piece of pie. And what they would do, the jailer, in order to get uh, somebody out of a cell, they would turn a crank and this cell would eventually come around to where the opening is. The jailer could unlock that specific cell and allow that person to come out. So it was a huge money-saving measure, but it was also considered kind of like escape-proof because how are you going to get out if you're not near the opening? It would be almost impossible, right? There was a lot of people that actually did escape this place. (laughs) So it wasn't actually escape proof, but it was very unique. And it was not the only jail of this kind. It was actually modeled after some others. They're actually called squirrel cage jails. That is what the design is really known for. But this was like the largest one ever constructed. It is three stories of cells as well as 90,000 pounds, just the jail cell block that would spin on this crank. And didn't it spin constantly for a period of time? It did. So when the place first opened, it would essentially just constantly be spinning on this hydraulic system. Now, granted, it didn't like spin at a high rate of speed. (laughs) Like I think of that like barrel ride at an amusement park or something like that. It was pretty slow. So it would take about 12 to 15 minutes to make a full circle turn. Eventually, you know, the thing starts to malfunction. It has issues. And so the jailers would actually have to go and automatically crank the cells to turn them around. 
Right. So it lost that function. I think the tour guide said around 20 years after it was built. And I want to say, if I remember the tour correctly, that it was built in 1885, which is a long time ago. A really long time ago. Now, something that kind of made me chuckle when I was researching this place is something that was, I don't know that I would say unique, but each jail cell had its own individual toilet kind of towards the middle in the corner of the triangle-shaped cell. And people in the county were actually kind of upset. They were like, these people are going to jail and they each get their own toilet. Like, I don't even have my own toilet in my own house. What and do I th- they want them to do? <laughs> Use a bucket? I, oh I my guess. gosh. I, I don't know. But people were upset about that and it made me laugh because I thought, Lindsay, this would have been the jail for her. Each cell has their own toilet. That would definitely be a requirement for you. Because we all know uh, some of these older hotels that do not have bathrooms in each individual room. That's just not for me. But guess what, guys? There's not even a door in front of this toilet. I I guess nobody's really looking in unless you're facing that one entryway where the jailer would be. But you did have a roommate, right? They had two people per cell. You're just sitting there having to use the restroom in front of someone else the whole time. It would be... A nightmare, Lisa. Let's be real. It would be. And I I mean, honestly, that's not unique to this jail. Most people in jail are taking deuces in front of plenty of people, right? I mean, it's got to be an uncomfortable situation. Throw your inhibitions aside if you're in this kind of situation, even today, right? Sounds like. Yeah. So not unique to the time period. Now, even though the county people thought that they were living in these too nice of conditions because they each had their own toilet it actually was not that great of a condition because the toilet and sewer system all went into the same kind of thing and what that resulted in was just horrible sewage smells and in fact that impacted the entire jail because it really went up the middle of this jail and The other thing to think about is it's constantly turning. I know me and you and our friend Megan went to one of those turning rooftop restaurants a while back and, you know, you have a couple drinks and you start to feel a little bit disoriented. Well, a lot of people that are going to this jail are there because of public intoxication or something like that. And now these people that are wasted are having to deal with this turning device that is constantly spinning them, which, I mean, must have been a nightmare as well. I'm sure when the hydraulic system broke 20 years into the initial building of this, people were probably relieved because I just cannot even imagine living my time, however long you're there for the at the jail, in a constantly spinning room, even though it's moving slow. I mean, I would think it would be kind of like agonizing to deal with that. I agree. I think it would just be like, it would drive you crazy. But that's not even the worst of it, Lindsay. You know, sewage smells, this constantly spinning thing. This thing is constantly in motion. And that would result because there are bars. People can stick their arms out, their legs out. 
sometimes people's limbs would actually get crushed, whether that be on accident or maybe even sometimes on purpose, which is actually what a lot of these people would do on purpose in order to go to the infirmary and get out of their cell or maybe even make an escape attempt, for example. So lots of crushed limbs. In fact, there was a, a similar squirrel cage jail in Maryland that got shut down because somebody's head got crushed in the system. What a nightmare. Like, I, I just can't imagine even trying to inflict that kind of pain on yourself if you were doing it on purpose. But not only that, but this isn't just a basic injury. Like, this is a full-blown, very serious bone break situation if you were to get caught up in that. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, one thing when we were here that did make me feel a little bit better is that this is a county jail. So most of the crimes that the people that committed that were here for were pretty minor. Things like public intoxication, maybe they did some weird crime back in the day that we don't even consider crimes today, honestly. There was quite a few of them. Like if somebody had an affair, for example, they were they could go to jail for that, right? Just wild stuff. However, there were a few hardened criminals and very violent people that made their way through here, but didn't necessarily die here. There was one guy who happened to be in this jail, stayed a few days, left, got out of jail, and then proceeded to go on a axe murdering spree throughout the country and got caught later in another state but he did stay here for a brief period of time there was also two men who went also on a killing spree they essentially started out robbing someplace ended up killing people then started you know running around the country went to omaha killed some people there then went to council bluffs killed some people there where they were eventually caught put into jail there for holding and then moved to other prisons where they were tried and eventually sentenced to death. One of the things that was neat about this place is it's a museum so they have a lot of interesting historical items there including the nooses that were used to hang these two murderers. Right so the thought is maybe there's some sort of a connection there with the spirits. Potentially. There were four deaths that we know of. So also not some huge, crazy amount of deaths that you would expect at a place like a big prison, like Eastern State Penitentiary or Trans-Allegheny, those kinds of places. So the deaths that they had there, one person died, they would essentially smoke like 200 cigarettes a day or something crazy like that. And they died of a heart attack on the premises. The next person who died actually died of a three-story fall. So they were essentially on this kind of catwalk area, three stories up, trying to carve their name into the ceiling. And actually, if you go there, all of those carvings that are still on the ceilings, on the walls, on different objects are real and original from over 100 years ago, potentially, which is really cool. But this guy, unfortunately, was trying to carve his name into the ceiling and fell to his death. The next one, this is like kind of disturbing. There was a person that essentially hung himself but didn't do it in kind of the traditional manner. He actually used the rotating hydraulic system 
to basically tighten the rope or whatever it was that he used around his neck. And think about how long it takes for that device to go around. I said about 12 to 15 minutes. It was apparently like a pretty slow and horrible death for this individual. What a nightmare. Yeah, I would agree. The last person that we know died on the premises here, there was actually kind of a riot that was ensuing outside of the jail from the local people carrying bats and weapons and stuff like that. They were upset because there was some sort of like farmer strike that took place and they had put all of these farmers into the jail. People in the county were very upset and decided to go riot and they had set up fences to barricade it off. Well, while they were preparing for that, a gun actually misfired and an officer was killed as a result. So that is the final death that we know actually happened here. Now, in 1960, eventually the fire marshal came in and was like, this ain't safe. We cannot, how are you going to properly get people out of this cell if there's a fire or something horrible happens? Like, they could potentially be stuck here for hours, for days, especially if it malfunctions, Mm -hmm. which would actually happen a lot. People couldn't get out for days on end because it malfunctioned and they'd have to hire, call somebody in to come fix it. Like, oh my gosh. So... Luckily, the fire marshal had some sense in him and told him they got to cut this out. So they stopped the spinning contraption. They opened up all of the cells, essentially, at that point and just kind of made it like a free-for-all in the cell area with some steel doors blocking them off from like the main areas where the jailer would be. And then eventually it closed in 1969 and is today a historic site and museum. Now, I did say there was some other squirrel cage jails out there. This is actually one of three that are remaining in the United States today, and it is, again, the largest. It is, Lindsay, it is just a very neat place, ghosts or no ghosts. It's a very cool museum. Oh, I totally agree. I like how they have it all set up, and... It's something I didn't even realize existed, but it kind of brings to light, gosh, how would your life be if you had to spend maybe a few days up to a few years in this jail? It would just really be a nightmare. Honestly, that's what I realized. Like, whoa, nobody would want to go through that. And it was so much worse back then as well. This is Lisa, and are you ready to embark on the adventure of a lifetime? You've heard me delve into the world of haunted travel, exploring eerie locations, and uncovering spine-chilling tales. And now I'm thrilled to announce the launch of something very special to me, which is my own travel agency, brought to you by Your Haunted Holiday. As our listeners know, I'm not just passionate about haunted travel, I live and breathe it. From researching the most haunted destinations to planning unforgettable journeys, I'm here to make your travel dreams a reality. 
Whether you're seeking the thrill of a haunted location or craving a getaway to somewhere a little less spine tingling, I've got you covered. And here's the best part. My services are absolutely free. Let me put my travel skills to good use by helping you plan the perfect escape. Simply visit yourhauntedholiday.com and click on the Travel Agency by Lisa link at the top of the page in the menu. So where will your next adventure take you? Let's make it a journey you'll never forget. Contact Your Haunted Holiday Travel Agency today and let's start planning. Your adventure awaits. So Lindsay, this place is old. It is from the 1800s. And the first ghostly kind of activity that people started encountering was in the 1950s. And it was actually the main jailer at the time. His name was Bill Foster. He was staying in the top floor, which is the fourth floor. It's a four-story building. And that was where the jailer's apartment was at the time. And he started hearing like footsteps and weird noises that he couldn't explain. It gave him the heebie-jeebies and he decided he doesn't want to stay up there anymore. So he actually moved down to the second floor where they made kind of a new like apartment area for him. Now, something else about that new apartment room that was interesting that I didn't see anywhere online, but we learned it as part of the tour that we went on, is there is a portrait of a jailer's wife in there. And somebody, I guess there was like a group of guys that were staying there and they said something nasty about the portrait, something about her looks or, you know, just Mm -hmm. rude stuff. And one of the guys actually got like, physically scratched in that room like directly after talking crap about the spirit now that is the only thing that they said have has ever happened at this jail paranormal wise that was negative or physical in any way other than that they say it's always been a positive experience like there might be some sad ghosts you know but they're not like trying to freak people out or do anything you know ultra negative but if you push the woman in the photo she could scratch you right i mean if i'm dead and somebody starts saying that stuff about my portrait they might get scratched i'm with her on that i don't blame her (laughs) right now there is tons of stuff that you want to look for here this is a very large building it is four stories tall like i said There's a lot of space to look around, but one of the biggest things that you are going to want to keep an eye on is footsteps. So you really want to keep your ears open here. It it seems like most of the activity is related to some sort of noise that you might hear. You might hear somebody whistling. You might hear heavy boots along certain walkways. You can also see different light anomalies, specifically on the second floor in the jail cell area. People will see the light of what looks like maybe a jailer's flashlight moving along the cell block. The other thing is in one of the cells, or I guess several of the cells, if you get to sit in there, and you guys, when you go here, you really do get to go sit in the jail cells. That is one thing that is kind of neat about it. Like, you can go in and sit down in there and hang out for a bit which we did 
but some people will feel just the feeling of extreme sadness. I didn't even realize this when we were in there. I did not experience that, although I, I mean, we say this all the time, I'm not a sensitive person in that regard. However, I mean, I could see that being there because it is a lingering feeling of somebody who is going through a hard time in their life, no matter what that might be. Maybe they're a bad person who did something horrible, like some of the murderers I talked about, or maybe they're just somebody who did something stupid and now they're put in jail for the night, maybe the drunk tank or something like that, right? Right. So a lot of energy around that. Now, one of the apparitions that you are going to want to look for here, there there have been a few sightings of apparitions, specifically some prisoners, some jailers that they think may still be there. But one of those which is interesting is actually the apparition of a child. And they did have juveniles and women in a different section of this jail. So it does make sense that there could be children ghosts here, although there's no reports of a, a child being killed on this property but this is a little girl that is wearing just completely gray clothing and looks very mournful like looks very sad and when she's been seen she's actually in one of the cells and what's kind of creepy about it is it was a staff member that has seen this and the cell is locked so at first they're like is there a kid in there and they're like there couldn't be a kid in there and then of course does what ghosts do and disappears right of course there have been quite a few different groups now us that have investigated this location one of them being a group called prism and apparently they actually caught on camera a cabinet door opening and closing three different times on its own as well as some other anomaly like orbs and stuff like that now orbs i need to see it you know before i buy it and catching it on camera that's you know it's hard to talk to right because it can be dust it could be a bug there can be all kinds of lights reflecting on things in a in a camera view that could be something else but i do find the cabinet thing pretty interesting that that was there So those are the main things that you want to look for. A lot of noises, some different sights, maybe things moving. Let's talk a little bit about our experience there, Lindsay. So when we first got there, so there are some little kids, like I talked about, that are haunting this location. We brought our stuffed animal dog that goes off and lights up and makes noises if somebody were to actually touch it. And we put it in that section of the jail where it was supposed to go. And really not long after we sat it there, we were walking down the main stairwell. And this was the dog was on the second floor and we were going down and we heard it go off. Unfortunately, we didn't see it, but it did sound like it might have gone off. It did sound like it might have gone off. Unfortunately, yeah, we weren't there to confirm by seeing the lights of it go off um, as well. I will say also that we had two friends with us. So it was me, Lisa, our mom, Tony, who has been on several other ghost hunts with us, as well as Megan and Melissa. It's a great group of people to ghost hunt with. Uh, We always have fun. But Melissa's car later in the evening, this is after this initial time that we heard what we thought was the dog. 
her car made a noise that was very similar to the sound. So we had some instances where we thought, oh my gosh, the dog, you know, we ran up and realized it was her car locking. So, right. We were able to rule those things out. The, the first instance though, I, I can't tell you for certain that it was the dog that went off, but it certainly sounded like it. But that was the only time where I, I really felt like that could have happened. The rest of the time it was quiet as far as that particular tool is concerned. I agree with you. The next thing that happened to us while we were there, we had a bunch of, you know, little flashlights. I had set a flashlight on the bench of this picnic table in the general kind of cell block area. And all of a sudden, like we hear this noise and our friend Melissa's like, oh my gosh. And the flashlight actually fell off of the edge of that picnic table on its own. And it had been sitting there for a pretty decent period of time. So, I mean, it wasn't a completely even surface. This is like an old object, right? That has been there for decades, right? It could have been an uneven surface and fell, but I also set it there and asked the ghost to roll it for me, right? And it didn't do it right when I asked it to roll it, but then a few minutes later when you're not paying attention and you're just kind of, you know, wandering around doing other things, all of a sudden it falls. So that was actually probably the biggest thing I think that happened while we were there. I would agree. You also took the flashlight after it had rolled off and we reacted to it. You took it, put it back on the bench and put it in different, you know, different locations on the bench, similar to where it had been, but tried multiple positions of the flashlight just to see, is there an easy way for it to roll? But it seemed like it seemed pretty steady on that bench, right? So that's the one thing I agree, Lisa, that I... I, I didn't catch it on camera. You know, we aren't the best at capturing everything on camera. We like to be in the moment, you know, rather than recording a bunch of stuff. But it could have been something. It could have been something. I I just don't know for sure. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I it, it was odd and it was definitely startling that it happened. So it was exciting cuz it was also really early in the night. After that happened, we kind of just went from floor to floor. We sat there. We asked questions. We did bring some dowsing rods, which was our first time actually attempting to use those. And we did get some interesting things on those, but it was very inconsistent at the same time. So I couldn't say, you know, that it was responding or maybe it was responding and it just was intentionally being like aloof or a jerk by not answering our questions properly. It's hard to say, but it really wasn't anything spectacular. If it had been consistent and given us answers that made sense according to the story that we were, you know, hearing, then I could have said, yeah, there is something to it. But I agree in this instance, I I don't really personally know how dousing rods really work. And this was our first time. It was so interesting though it made the night super interesting because they were moving and I was really making every effort to hold them steady and I think we might have gotten some responses as far as consistency though there's nothing that I can say absolute I had a ghost there with me answering questions Um, but interesting nonetheless totally agree 
I will say, though, a little bit later in the night, we went to go get some snacks in kind of like, I guess I would call it like their kitchen area. We decided to take a break from the ghost hunting, but let's set uh, a K2 meter in the middle of the table. We were asking questions, and that was the one time that I feel like we actually were getting some pretty consistent responses. Right. We had had EMF and K2 meters set up on that table throughout the entire night. It had never gone off. We're also really careful to keep our phones away from them. If if they ever go off, we're always looking around, trying to figure out if there's anything that's changed that would have caused it. And I think we actually were talking to a spirit that was was trying to communicate with us there. We took a whole lot of snack breaks. So our tour lasted from 8 p.m. at night until 8 a.m. And it was probably like every hour we had to stop in the kitchen for a snack. So we spent a whole lot of time in that kitchen area eating and talking to ghosts on the K2. Yes, the snacks was a really good part of it. It was. Now, other than that, I think that was really the primary stuff. Now, I will say, like, the place is so cool. We took some time. We sat in some jail cells by ourselves, especially at, like, 3 a.m. We kind of challenged each other. Okay, let's all grab our own individual cell. Let's try to turn the lights off. Let's stay here for a little bit of time and just listen and see what we can experience. And, I mean, that was the creepiest part of the whole night. And that solitary confinement hallway, oh, I had a hard time walking down there by myself. I'm not going to lie. That was creepy. Yeah. We all went into the solitary confinement hallway. Um, I was nervous about, the only time I really got nervous was when we did the challenge. At 3 a.m., we made a point to go down to the jail cells and all four of us, our mom, Tony, was sleeping. (laughs) She was tired. Uh, and we all picked our own cell and went in it for several minutes kind of to challenge ourselves, which was which was fun. But I was pretty nervous doing that, although I didn't have any experiences. When we went into solitary confinement and multiple other times during the night, we did try our tactic of playing kind of like old music to see if that would stir anything up. And we didn't really get any responses to that either. But creepy, you know, the whole time, regardless. Totally creepy, but I will say I actually was not very scared at this place. I did not get much of a vibe in general. Like, I felt I felt pretty good. Like, I could have walked anywhere in this place by myself other than that solitary confinement area and felt okay, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I agree. I feel like we didn't catch a whole lot. We didn't catch anything that I would say is absolute right that I absolutely feel was a spirit a lot of kind of strange things but it's it's like we say it's it's whale watching you just never know if you're going to catch anything in this instance the ghosts were pretty quiet for us and we tried so hard so it was very disappointing that we didn't really get anything definitive but honestly we still had a total blast eight hours in a jail eating snacks and ghost hunting like you just seriously can't beat it you you can't it was a fun time
Okay, so if you decide to go to this jail, you could of course do like a daytime tour if you don't want to spend the extra money and do like an overnight investigation, which would be really cool because I mean, there really is a lot of cool historic artifacts and it's just a neat place. But what's nice about the several hour overnight investigations that you can do is, I mean, you really have the run of this place. Like you can go wherever you want in here. You can do it at your own pace. You can go to whatever area you want to go hang out in, hang out in jail cells. And it's pretty large um, to be able to investigate, which actually kind of makes it hard because you're like, where should we go? Where you're trying to follow where the activity is, but it's it's such a big place that it's it's hard to do that kind of. So very neat. What I will say, there is air conditioning on two of the floors, not on all of them though. So we were there, it was very hot out. We were sweating on the second and third floor fourth floor where the old apartment is that that jailer was experiencing all that activity that's where they say a lot of the activity actually still is today that is air conditioned so you can spend a lot of your time ghost hunting up there we we really spread out our our hunting we didn't just stay in the air conditioned room but that was really nice there's also heaters in the winter on those same floors so again you want to kind of layer make sure that you're comfortable depending on the season that you're in because certain floors are going to be really comfortable and then there's going to be a couple that are going to be really cold or really hot just depending on what season it is so be really mindful when you do book this place that you're dressing appropriately and wearing layers honestly Lindsay. The creepiest thing about this place, to me, was the mannequins. Oh, no doubt about it. They, There was one that was sitting in a jail cell that I jumped every time I walked by. I kept forgetting that guy was in there. Was it the aviator glasses guy? It was the aviator glasses guy. Yep, on the first floor. (laughs) So they have these mannequins in jail cells and different areas of the building kind of dressed up and sometimes they're laying in the beds in the cells like when at 3 a.m when I went and picked a cell to sit in by myself in the quiet I forgot there was a mannequin in there and it almost looked like a creepy like dummy doll or something like under the covers and I like look up and I mean I jumped and that was the scariest part of the whole night was like (laughs) every time you turn your corner there's like some other scary mannequin staring at you right be prepared for some mannequins while you are there so take the daytime tour if you don't have a whole lot of time i would definitely recommend that but if you book one of the longer paranormal tours they are going to have a tour guide with you really the whole time for the most part they keep to themselves in the office but they will give you a full tour and in fact they even asked us Do you want the history or do you want the paranormal? Do you want none of the above? Do you already know everything? What what do you want to hear about? Because we'll provide that. And of course, we said all of the above. We want the history. We want the paranormal stuff. Take us around the building. They'll take you all around. Very accommodating. But keep in mind, they will be there in the front office. So if you do need them for something, it's great because they are right there. There are some things on this website that specify that you cannot do. One of them is there's no alcohol allowed on the premises. If they catch you drinking alcohol, you will get kicked out. And again, that tour guide's there. So good luck 
trying to sneak it. I would not recommend it. We did not. We stayed sober the whole night, which honestly probably made us more alert listening for all those different noises and and honestly made it a, a very positive experience. But something even more unique than the no alcohol practice is there are no seances allowed, no Ouija boards, and no conjuring of demons allowed. If you're conjuring a demon, Lindsay, you will be removed from the building immediately. Well, you know, that's good because I never conjure demons. Let me just say, although I have been known to play the Ouija board from time to time, but we made a point not to bring one with us for this particular tour. Yeah, I might actually be done with Ouija boards after our Velisca Axe Murder House situation. It was was freaky. I think we're over the Ouija board thing. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of like it, but it does freak me out. Okay, so the cost. I think actually for the amount of time that you get to stay here, it is a pretty reasonable price. And it is going to vary based on the tour that you select as well as the days of week. So if you want to go Sunday through Thursday or you're available, it's actually a little bit cheaper in the rates. So if you're available, I would recommend those. Now, most of us, like me and Lindsay, I cannot just go on a random Wednesday or something usually. So Friday and Saturday, the prices are a little bit higher because the demand is there. So for the paranormal tours, you have a four-hour tour option for $200, and that is up to four people, and you can pay a little bit extra if you want to add some more people onto that tour. There is also an eight-hour tour option. That one is $250, and that is for a total of six people, and again, you can add some more people on there for extra. And then finally, which is the tour that me and Lindsay did, is the 12-hour tour. We were there from 8 p.m. to 8 a.m. the next day, and that is $325 for six people. And it was a long time to ghost hunt. I feel like we really did cover the place. Oh, yeah. It was almost too long. You know, we ended up falling asleep probably for the last, like, hour, hour and a half of, of being there. Uh, but it was a long time. I mean, we had more than enough time to really get the run of the place and, and do everything we could to try to conjure up some ghosts. Yes, it was totally fun, worth it, and really very close to where I live. So the Squirrel Cage Jail, if you're in the Midwest, like we are right now, I'm heading back to Atlanta soon. But if you're in the Midwest, this is a great uh, place to stop because It's interesting just in the history in general, and then they have lots of different tour options, right? If you want to go into a haunted place, at the end of the day, it's old. People died there, and people also spent a whole lot of time there, like the jailers and their families. So to me, anything built in the 1800s has a lot of potential to have some ghosts, and I think we may have had a few things occur. If you are all uh, enjoying this show, please make sure to leave us a five-star review. It makes a big difference, helps us to engage new listeners and let them know that we are worth listening to. Make sure to give us a five-star. Also, don't forget about what I mentioned earlier. If you're interested in joining us in St. Augustine at the St. Augustine Lighthouse, uh, it would be an evening short two-hour tour on September 16th. Go to yourhauntedholiday.com, hit contact us, and send us an email to let us know if you're interested very much limited capacity there though also if you have just a ghost story to tell us or a recommendation for an episode go there as well and send us that email through contact us on the website 
find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Everyone have a great week and thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everybody.